first question for this week. Have you seen Dope Sick? Uh, I don't think I have. So Dope Sick's Disney Plus with Michael Keaton. Um, okay. Basically exactly the same thing. What is Painkiller? To Dope Sick, yeah. Okay. So, so it's quite interesting. Dope Sick's eight episodes. Um, I haven't finished watching Dope Sick, but that was more down to the company I was watching it with didn't want to complete you know found <laughs> right, okay. it found it too depressing um yeah but yeah so so unfortunately you know when you watch stuff and you make comparisons with things that are similar so so as soon as I switched painkiller on I was making those comparisons yeah um but it but it does hold up quite well what what do you think of this biopic I thought it was quite entertaining personally well I mean I think first off I'm surprised we actually managed this um, I did message you what on Friday yeah. <laughs> and was yeah. like we should we should watch Painkiller like we should we should talk about Painkiller on Monday desperately not wanting to watch a superhero movie in Blue Beetle well yeah and we had actually we, I mean it's been a while since we've done a movie as well so I was conscious of um, of that of doing like piling yet another TV series mm-hmm. on us but um, yeah I mean I'm surprised that we both got through it in time to be honest <laughs> However, I'm happy with the short, you know, six episodes, uh, you know. Was it only six? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was only six. Um, I think for me, like, this, I, I flicked it on out of curiosity. I saw that it was at number one on Netflix. I was like, right, I'm going to get obviously behind at home with the Furies. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Have you watched that? I haven't, no. <laughs> I've already seen it. So Really? Well, all of thing. it? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't really want to be caught on camera with what I think of it, so... <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I mean, obviously it's not fiction, so yeah. not as anyway. But um, yeah, I flicked it on because it was on, you know, number one on Netflix, um, um, which was captivated, just like straight away like that. Like, I think this is how you do a biopic. Mm. Like, I mean, whoever wrote Air Jordan needs to take note, like um, mm. Matt Damon and um, like, um, it, it's yeah, this is how you do a, bio- a biopic. It's harrowing, it's engaging, it's entertaining, like it's super exciting, like the acting's brilliant throughout the story. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is it for me. Like and I think this did such a good job of like showing the effects of drugs on society on every single level. Yeah. Like all from the big farmer head who's like in a horrible situation, has to get out from under millions of debt to all right the way down to, you know, like the everyday guy trying to make a living for his family like run a business becoming addicted to the same substance that that guy at the top selling yeah, yeah. Like it gave you every sort of echelon of society and like the way that this drug oxycontin affected everyone and yeah. of course true story yeah yeah so um do you this is funny because because i i agree i think that this was like you know well told piece six episodes um I didn't really feel that disappointed at the, you know, with the story, but I feel like, and this is the same, this is the same with Dope Sick as well. Dope Six, you know, eight episodes, miniseries. There's something, there's something in this story that could go on, you know, across multiple seasons. I, I, I do feel like in Painkiller, like, you know, Shannon Schaefer's story, um, Glenn Krieger's story, um, Maybe not so much Rick, Richard Sackler's story. I feel like that was kind of looked into quite deeply. Mm. But I feel like there, there were multiple levels to kind of the the other main-ish character stories that 
could have definitely been, you know, not drawn out, but, you know, the story could have been given more time, a couple of seasons, you, you know, I, I, would be in, I would be invested in a multiple season story around the opioid crisis. Fair enough. Maybe it's too sensitive at the minute because it's, it's still ongoing. Yeah, but I think maybe that's why it's important now, you could say. Um, I think there's often a problem with like the sort of biopics or the historical dramas where they become like a little bit too topical. Mm. I mean, Crown comes to mind, you know, or is it The Crown? You know, the, the, um, Crown, yeah, the yeah. ones about the royal family, like, because they got so close to current events. Mm. They kept going and going and releasing new seasons. And, and originally it was amazing, but it started to get to the point where it was like, this is a little bit too current. Yeah, like you're almost catching up with the present day. Like, at what point does it just become a dramatization of the news? <laughs> you're depicting, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you sit down on a, on a Friday evening and you're watching the events of last week. Like, <laughs> you know, and like you know, it's, they were churning it out so quickly. And I think that does sometimes happen. I know, like Emma Donoghue's The Room, which is a novel, became a movie. I think you yeah. talked about it once. Um, that came under some pretty heavy criticism for like depicting a genuine. You know, it was the Fritzl case, like a genuine like travesty or whatever a little bit too like close to the the time of its actual occurrence like maybe it, that was insensitive mm. but I think in this case this is a really good example of, of the timing being kind of perfect like the opioid crisis and well there's been many of an opioid crisis but the um, the Oxycontin crisis happened in the early 2000s yeah I didn't know that much about it I didn't really fully understand what Oxycontin was until I watched this yeah I'd heard about it but I probably didn't really catch on like I hadn't really heard of Oxycontin until like maybe 2015 yeah i was what five yeah, ten yeah, years same. late yeah, yeah do you know what i mean and that's the point that is made in the um in in this biop in painkiller that this one flew in under the radar and that was kind of the power on it um so i think i think really like the timing's perfect i think it's a really good example of something that is topical without being insensitive and really mm. important yeah you can actually uh, purdue farmer their website's still up really <laughs> yeah yeah um 1,500 people die a week in the US, according to the National Center for Health Statistics, so from opioids, overdose. Um, and uh, it's funny because obviously like I saw the, I actually saw the real life impact last year when I was in San Francisco of fentanyl. Yeah. Um, which is a opioid said to be 50 times stronger than heroin. Yeah. Um, and now uh, it's now supplied by drug cartels and, and the starting point is this Oxycontin becoming over yeah. um, over the counter over prescribed over the right. yeah um, you know all kicked off by that in, in the early 2000s so, mm. you know so this is ongoing this isn't getting better mm. and you know the impacts of that epidemic is you know or the impacts of the decisions of the Sackler family I think are just going to be ongoing for, yeah. for the next few decades. It's not only, like the Sacklers aren't only directly responsible for the deaths of 300,000 people as a result of the Oxycontin crisis, but they're also responsible for the chain of events, events that that's caused, mm. that we're still seeing the repercussions of today. Like, And I, I think this depicts that beautifully. Mm. It's one of those um, biopics, like, I, I'm saying biopic again, and I'm conscious that biopic is gen like generally about one person. So it's more of a historical drama or kind of, you know. But I'm going to stick with the term biopic. It might be technically wrong, but just for ease. Um, it's one of those biopics like Dark Waters that, like, it shines a light on 
something so horrific in society like something so powerful and that affects all of us every day that we didn't know about and it does it in a way that like is almost horror yeah um which is really cool i think dark waters has always impressed me because it gets that horror through even though the scenes are actually quite boring ultimately it's a lawyer going through files but what he discovers like the way that that's depicted is is horrifying Mm. Uh, and this is the same but obviously this is done in a more sort of traditional way you've got four characters you've got glenn you've got flowers uh, ed flowers uh you've got richard sackler himself and Mm -hmm. then you've got shannon schaefer yeah uh shannon and richard are like on your i guess on the side of purdue farmer they're Mm -hmm. obviously the ceo or the, the director or whatever and shannon is the new employee yeah. like discovering sort of she's she's like a rags to riches story yeah. and like her glory comes through getting involved with Purdy Farmer and getting this great job meanwhile you've got Edie Flowers trying to take him down she's the cop she's the good guy she's the voice of reason and then you've got Glenn caught in the middle of all of it you know accident at work gets prescribed Oxycontin is told that it's safe trusts his doctor because why wouldn't you yeah. supportive family around him he uses the drug to get better he gets back on his feet and then becomes addicted mm. so he's like really where you see the dark side mm. I think. um so yeah it's a it's a super interesting sort of balanced nuanced narrative four different characters that, that interplay and like scenes cut between them in in, in a really skillful way sort of the, the way that it's ordered is important great use of music like i enjoyed everything about this yeah for real. yeah yeah, and to be fair, I, I almost feel like my only criticism is it was it was too short. So, a couple of things that Dope Sick did that uh, Painkiller didn't. Dope Sick actually. So Michael Keaton's the face of this of Dope Sick, and, and he's the prescribing doctor. Ah, okay. So it's told from a couple of different angles. Um, you've got the prescribing doctor. And and there's a there's a version of Edie Flowers in, in two males right. that are investigating this and and, and maybe a, a slightly different you know they're they're investigating this by going a pharmacy to pharmacy looking at the prescription numbers so so despite it being only a couple of episodes more there's there's definitely a little bit more of a a drawn out process within that that series another thing they did was with the pain, when um, Glenn and Painkiller fell on the... Um, Glenn and Painkiller? Oh, in Painkiller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. F- fell on that bit of metal. Mm. And like, you could you could feel the pain through the screen. Yeah. Now, Dope Sick, which is... Dope Sick did use the technique, which is, is probably why the person I was watching it with didn't want to see it oh. anymore. Um, they used... So, so Dope Sick... I don't really want... I don't know if I should spoil it. Hmm. Um, it's to do with my... It's a mining community. Okay. Explosion in the mine. I think shrapnel hits um, one of the workers, gets prescribed oxycontin, and 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 basically before she gets prescribed, you know, every scene she's in, and when she moves, there's a sharp ringing that comes through the screen, and oh, okay. and um, it really like it it, all, it was almost like you could actually feel the, the exact same pain. You know, you know, like when you've hurt yourself and, and it feels like there's a ring in your head and stuff like that, that was coming through the screen. Wow. And, and that was that was a technique dopes it used and it was it was pretty hot, you know, late at night, you know, the room's dark, there's, there's no noise. And then you just hear the ringing coming through the, uh, the scene as um, the actor arrives in pain and, and 
Painkiller didn't really... Painkiller pain kind of brushed o- over the the pain Glenn was in, I think, I, a little fair bit. Enough, but, but maybe you'd say it, that... There's just a difference in techniques. They told the story slightly differently. Yeah, and, and you might say that the focus of painkiller is obviously on the drug, the effects of the drug, rather than the accident and the pain that uh, Glenn's feeling as a result of it. Mm. So like they try and shit... You know, it's, it's almost like first episode, all right, he's fallen off the forklift or whatever. Um, he's in pain. Yeah, move straight on. I'm being it's a bit. Dis- I'm being a bit disingenuous. <laughs> actually, it the first episode did capture. You know, he's dropping yeah. piss on himself. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I just found that that technique and dope stick really interesting. Using sound to like create pain. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, I've not heard of that before. It was it was re- really really good. Um, I think. I think another thing, like reason that I really enjoyed Painkiller was that it kind of like adds to the uh, the sort of body of work on drugs in society that like The Wire sort of started. Mm. You know, like when you watch The Wire, you get throughout. I mean, obviously it's a much bigger piece. Like you got five different seasons. Like it's the same thing. It's an analysis of and an in depth exploration of drugs in the city of Baltimore on every single level. Yeah, and you got obviously the police and the dealers, and there's like the conflict there, but ultimately like it's it's shining a light on drugs everywhere and and the economy of drugs and how it's integral to like normal society and this is the same thing but it's like more recent it's more up to date it's actually recently we've had this oxycontin thing and it's not just like street dealers Mm. being persecuted by the police for like trying to i don't know resort to any means necessary to get out of their immediate like situation but this is actually big pharma this is big companies this is within the realms of like legal operations yeah this is companies like actually creating a product and mm. selling it and, and marketing it as though it's anything else in the world mm. like but it's a drug stronger than anything you're gonna go buy on the streets mm. and it's getting prescribed and then you've got these people like Shannon Schaefer and these like young girls being doled up and sent out to like charm the doctors to prescribing more to get the population hooked on their drug I mean it's the same as the stars in Russia before the 1917 revolution you got like everyone hooked on vodka and like made alcohol property of like the monarchy mm. and had they had the exclusive rights to sell it so you're getting your population hooked it's the same it's not like dissimilar but yeah. modern day and in America yeah. you're getting your population hooked on your product and just taking all the profit from it and who cares what the result is. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, you're throwing these conventions in Miami and whatever with these little, little like, mascots of the pill and, like, yeah. you know, the crazy... the tribalism around it. Yeah, was, and the way that insane. it was depicted like a cult. Yeah. Like, the, the way that Sharon Schaefer's trying to move up the ranks and get more money, I mean, I know it's a business, but it reminded me of, like, Nexium or mm-hmm. something like cult in America like that. Like, the same kind of obsessive yeah. worship of the, uh, of the CEO and, you know, yeah, crazy. I, um... Do you know what? As as you were saying, um, all that stuff about Russia, <laughs> uh, it kind of made me think about. It's actually refreshing to see a historical drama that actually depicts big corporations in a bad way. Yeah. Because we've had quite a lot this year. Um, where, you know the you know Succession. I think mm. Succession made big corporations look sexy. Probably all they did. Yeah. You know Air Jordan. Yeah. Did did really the same like a great working environment at Nike, um, <laughs> whereas this you know this actually flips it and shows how powerful these big corporations can be and you know at times when I was watching the series you know even I was thinking like genuinely 
there's like nothing you can do yeah against a big powerful company with lots of money yeah there, there is you know not a way to win and it, you know Netflix have, have their own issues and stuff but you know fair play to a company pro- to produce something like this um, uh, maybe it's throwing another big company under the bus that's been caught out for everything yeah. but um, yeah you know I think people need to see that the amount of control that these big companies have and and I, I'm willing to see I'm happy to see more expose stuff around big companies with lots of money as the years goes on it's you know it's interesting it's it's good to see the negative, you know, the negative in- impact of these big companies actually be out there for us to yeah. kind of consume. You know, the the Facebook documentaries or the impact of social media documentaries or biopics and stuff like that. It's all good to to see. It gives us a bit of a reality check. I think. Yeah, I love a um, I love a, like a biopic. I love a historical drama, and I love a courtroom drama as well. Like, so I love a yeah. depiction of you know real events you don't like a boardroom drama not a boardroom but a courtroom courtroom. I need the battle I guess yeah and I think this is a really so you know courtroom dramas like um, uh, The Trial of Chicago 7 great movie is Suits a courtroom drama? Suits it's about lawyers isn't it I've actually never seen Suits (laughs) Meghan Markle Oh God! Right. Okay. Well, no, that was not. It's number ten, was. actually. In, uh, Is it on IMDb? It's, I know. I've heard good things. Maybe I'll try it one day. But like, I'm thinking of the the courtroom battle between Atticus Finch and mm. um, the 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 Ewells or the Ewells in um in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm going that far back. You know, like I, I'm thinking this trial in Chicago Seven. Uh, OJ OJ Simpson. You know mm. the um the People versus OJ mm. like that like biopic I love things like that and I think Painkiller is a cool example of a a courtroom drama that's not in the courtroom it never actually goes to court yeah um, it, and I, you know I would I would put this under the same umbrella just about like I suppose a courtroom is essential but but it's kind of got everything that I like about a courtroom drama minus the actual courtroom mm. um, so yeah I mean I, I, I really enjoyed this do we want to give a bit of praise to Taylor Kitsch who played get Glenn Krieger? I mean, I didn't think he was brilliant. Yeah, uh, but I thought everyone was. Yeah, he was—he was a bit of a standout for me. Yeah, he—that's he, that, that's the part of the story where I really felt, for you know, I—I've I've emotively connected with the series. You know, um, yeah. You know the the fact that all it took was an accident at his work to. And 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 it just the fact that he was he just so happened to be born thirty forty years ago and, and you know not in a business now where that might not happen yeah it's just that specific point in time where he fell was prescribed this drug that was you know that was the big hit in the news and completely derailed his life and and that was the reality and for many 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 people and, and actually like goes to show like it's not just people that have you know had a really difficult let's say start to life that Mm. that have turned to this it was you know it was people that just you know got unlucky in a different way and you know sprained something at work or had an accident at home that went to their doctors got prescribed this drug and it completely derailed and ruined their lives and the lives for their families as well yeah, I think Penkiller does a really good job of like strongly pinning the blame on 
the corporations and the people with the power are not villainizing you know junkies or whatever villainizing people who um you know have had a rough start to life like from a lower economically developed area or whatever and have got hooked on these substances like and it displays nicely how it's these companies how it's like how purdue actually put out the idea that mm. like you know it's the misuse is the problem it's the junkies that are the problem like they're causing this like it's a small percentage of people misusing the drug that are that's contributing to this or creating this epidemic it's not us like we're just mm. provide the product and it did a really good job of showing that and, and explaining that like this isn't this could happen to anybody mm. and like addiction is, is far more complicated than i think people believe it's not just you use a sub substance you get addicted it's you become dependent because you're kind of like substituting for something else in your life mm. um and or, or for example or trying to get rid of pain you mm. know you're escaping pain in one way or another i think um and no show ever has made me more grateful for the NHS, to be honest, because this could not, well, I mean, touch wood, right? But like, no, you're right, it couldn't. this couldn't happen here because the, the whole way that like this Purdue company like took over with Oxycontin was by targeting individual doctors, mm. like doctors making a living for themselves and they're buying the drugs to prescribe to patients. It's like a tool in their, in their work. It's being claimed off insurance. Exactly. And it doesn't work it, like that wouldn't work here you know it, we don't just have to get a drug fda approved then you can put it in the hands of any doctor and they can do like what they want with it like it's all got to be government regulated which is such a positive testament towards centrally controlling healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's that's right there in one sentence enough politics for this whole episode isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um bit of a harrowing stat regarding um opioids in 2021, the death tally was 80,411 in the US, um, which is over 10 times the amount of US military service members during the post 9-11 Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Wow. So I think, you know, that will resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. You know, 80,411 in one year. You know, this has been exacerbated by the COVID pandemic as well. and And... Mm. The, you know the it's crazy that things you know decisions made by people 50 years ago having such a, an effect on millions and millions of people now that's just the way it goes though isn't it painkiller is such a strong example of how, of how important storytelling is mm. because it's and it's probably what, like maybe the strongest example that we've had this year because if it wasn't for this show being on Netflix on these platforms or whatever like for us to sit down and watch on an evening and enjoy because it's because it's engaging and exciting and the acting's great and the, the drama's rich um, and there's obviously that horror aspect if it wasn't for this show I would never have known about this I would never have fully understood how this works in America or, or that it even happened to the extent mm. that it did I wouldn't know you know you never told me that stat right there I wouldn't I'd be ignorant to this stuff mm. and that goes for probably a, a large percentage of the people that are going to sit down and watch this it's it's it, like it's so important to society that we share these stories and that we understand and that we can like move on from it like or prevent it from happening you know through understanding like and that's all the responsibility of storytelling mm. i think you know if, if this is something that I, I would want to direct someone to when they talk about you know 
stories or, or, or stuff on uh, streaming platforms just being like mindless entertainment yeah of course and yeah, like, yeah. You know, oh, it's a made up story like it's not that deep like nah storytelling has a way more integral and important place in like modern life than anybody's given it credit for I think mm. so yeah pay your actors <laughs> and, your, and your writers and something I've never seen before to really kind of to tell the viewer I hope yes we hope you're enjoying this but here's a family affected by this at the start of every episode mm-hmm. to really kind of intensify I think how you feel about what you're watching mm. um, was really interesting and, and yeah I, I mean I, I don't really I still don't know how I feel about it well I thought it was brilliant I mean it's, it's the same thing like a you know talking about the responsibility of storytelling like this takes it to another level those clips of the family I mean some of them were harrowing mm. like some of them were hard to watch like clips of families talking about the loved ones that they've lost to the Oxycontin like to Oxycontin basically like it ties the story and the scenes that you're watching to real life to truth in such like a, an undeniable way like you can't cognitively disassociate you can't mm separate the story space from real life like you know you're watching you know scenes that have been directed and acted but you you're you're thinking of real people when you watch glenn you know this happened to someone yeah you know you know things like this and worse have actually gone on as a result of this crisis and the result of oxycontin and the sackler family like i i think that makes it so much more jarring i think that really like increases the pathos and again i think it's just so important yeah. I think that's a really really interesting and powerful technique yeah, yeah. big up yeah. like I want to see more of this yeah um, and, and, and just finally so this case is this, the case is still ongoing and you know at the very end where Sackler was saying we're going to pay out six billion we're going to get immunity they'll never touch us again mm. um, well currently Biden is, is going for them and trying to make sure that doesn't happen well, um, that the six billion doesn't grant them immunity, um, and and it wants to continue to throw the book at them. So we're going to see this play out as the months and next few years go on, and hopefully there's a conclusion that is as justified as it can be. I think another point that's gone maybe unnoticed, just to tack onto yours there at the end, is that um, as a result of the persecution of Purdue at the end a lot of events that were funded by Purdue money because obviously these guys you know the family the Sackler family have their name on everything mm. museums uh, I've, I'm stuck after one <laughs> art, <laughs> art galleries you know etc etc like universities they were they were funded by Sackler so when the persecution of them happened and that, that the suit the suits and all that kind of thing this damaged the economy of America mm. and then you had events that couldn't function if they didn't take uh, Sackler money but equally you had people threatening to boycott the event if the organisers did take the Purdue money so the events collapsed Mm. like Sackler didn't just damage everybody in an emotional or the society in America in like an emotional and sort of healthcare way and Mm. physical way I guess but financially crippled the country as well yeah I mean like (laughs) The effect, the, the ramifications of this one company and this and this one drug are just incredible, and I've never seen that pushed through by a story that I've watched on Netflix as well before. Big up, fuck Sackler. <laughs>